Kim. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Why does that, when Tyler calls me an idiot for my marble knowledge, why do I feel, why do I feel dumb when he knows way significantly less? This is the press box. It's like, I still feel like, oh, wow, dad, why? Oh, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. With Grady and Bischoff. I'm pushing these buttons, but it's the same conversation. Yeah, that's funny. I'll actually tell <laughs> I was you about something. To say, is Tyler talking? On ESPN Las Vegas. Jared, I have a quick question for you. Welcome back, Jared. Um, did you listen to our show at all last week? I literally didn't sleep Good. last week. Okay. Why did they not create more Captain Americas? That's an excellent. I don't know. They, I think they did. Like they did create a bunch. They did, but it was secret. So it's like that's what we're saying. It's like, no, you don't get to talk today, okay, Gooch. Done. We, we've done this. Done. Okay. I'm My pretty... basically, I was told last week by this Marvel moron and Kira, another also Marvel, Marvel moron, moron, that they had a secret serum or a super serum, oh, and they made yeah. Captain America, and they I only asked, made one vial. My question was, if it was so okay. great, why didn't they make more? Look at because, Pfizer, bro, over all here. All right, so if you're going for, like, from the movies, the whole premise is they had to find the guy that they could do this to who would turn into, like, an insane person. That is or, not what Twitter told us. You guys are all morons. A uh, Nazi spy killed the guy who made it. Yeah, come on. Did that happen in the movie? That's what I was told by on Twitter. Yes. None of you people that watch movies know what happens. Go to the first bite. (laughs) The first bite. Yo. I thought the whole premise of the... All right, I'll just shut up. Today's first bite is brought to you by Chick-fil-A. Did the Bengals blow their only shot at a Super Bowl? All right, this is... I can't get over this thought. The Bengals aren't going to the playoffs next year. The Bengals are never going to be back in the Super Bowl. You really believe I mean, that? maybe not never, but, like, I don't think they're that good. See, I think Joe Burrow showed everyone that he's that good. By I, scoring 20 points? No, by by having that kind of pass rush and still staying alive and somehow keeping the game close. I guess that is, okay, the one thing for the Bengals is they're early in their rebuild, right? Yes. Like, this is significant This was not supposed, they were, the Bengals were not supposed to be in the Super Bowl right. in year two with Joe Burrow. That is, like, one reason to think that they, they'll be back. But, like, if you look at what happened here for the Bengals, they played four close playoff games, right? And won three in a row to get to the postseason to get to the Super Bowl. That doesn't happen that often. You lose close games, right? At a 50% rate, usually. To win the division, right? They had the same they had the same record as the Raiders. Now, the Bengals punted on the last game of the year because they already clinched the division, but they had the same record as the Raiders, right? It's not like they were some great team. In order to win the division this year, they had to have Baker Mayfield hurt. Slash Nick Mullins play in like two games or something like that for the Browns, right? But more importantly, they had to have the Ravens suffer like the most injuries in the history of the sport. Like the Ravens had guys tear their ACLs on back-to-back plays in preseason before the year started. They had back-to-back ACL injuries in the same practice. The assistant coaches to the assistant coaches were getting injured right. with Baltimore. If the Ravens are fully healthy, the Ravens are winning that division next year, right? Like, like obviously Lamar Jackson could get hurt and all of a sudden it's whatever Tyler Huntley or something like that again. And and okay, then the Bengals have a shot, 
But if the Ravens stay relatively healthy next year, the Ravens are the favorites to win that division. And now we're talking about, okay, can the Bengals sneak in as a nine or 10 win wildcard team? And those types of teams don't usually win Super Bowls. So that's my overriding thing is that was the Bengals shot and they had a lead late and they blew it. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that. I look at the at the Bengals and I say, this is a, a team with a very young quarterback second year. Keep in mind that was Joe Burrow's second year in the league. And look what he did. And just like you were saying, extremely early in the rebuild. But that just means they're going to keep adding more pieces to that right. team. So I, I definitely believe that they're going to be in the driver's seat in the AFC North because Big Ben isn't going to be there. Browns are well, still going to be rolling. Steelers with Steelers are going to be better without Big of Ben. Of course, of course. <laughs> but, but, the, but hey, you can say that now. You can say that now because we've seen what happens. You, listen. You are right. If Mason Rudolph takes the first snap next year, then you're right. The Steelers are worse. But yes. if they get literally anybody else to come play quarterback, they're going to be better. Just like Teddy Bridgewater. Just get Teddy Bridgewater and they'll be better. Yeah, okay. No, no, I do not believe that. I think burger has been terrible for two years. Yeah, But the thing is, always, he's always been the leader of that team. You take away the leader of the team. All of a sudden, there's going to be. Some fallout Just as a result of that. Juju's TikTok dances be the leader of the team. It's fine. I think he's a free agent. Resign <laughs> right. him on TikTok and it'll be fine. But I just look at what the Bengals have done. I look at that connection between Burrow and Jamar Chase. That is special. That's not something you see every single every single year. And that is pretty remarkable what they've done. And again, second year in the league, Joe Burrow takes this team. And honestly, I thought he looked incredible first year before he got hurt. Yeah. Did he get sacked? How many times he get sacked yesterday? Was it seven. Yeah. Seven times. Yeah. I saw seven, seven times. Might've been eight. He got rid of the ball on the last one. It would have been, I think it, it would have been, been eight, but he, he almost completed that fourth. Down right. Pass, so yes. Would have been unbelievable if but, he had, but that's what I'm getting at. And then, I mean, Aaron Donald, I will say, yes, Cooper Cup, he played great. He was super clutch down the stretch. But Aaron Donald was a result. All those sacks were a result of Aaron Donald chasing Joe Burrow. The pressure from Aaron Donald was insane. And if it wasn't Aaron Donald, it was Floyd. If it wasn't that, you had Vaughn Miller coming around the edge. Joe Burrow, for what he did with that offensive line against that defense, you got to take your hat off to him. And to say that they're not going to improve upon that, I I just can't buy into that. I mean... Yeah, they could. I don't I just I just don't I think what they did was really special. Right, to this year. Like I think this was the special year for the Bengals and they didn't win it. And listen, second year, you're right. I absolutely can build and get better. But how many Super Bowls does Aaron Rodgers have? One. Right? Like we we do this. It's hard to win the Super Bowl. It's hard to make it to the Super Bowl, right? Quarterbacks that win more than one, that's a hard thing to do. Quarterbacks that get to more than one. Ask Dan Marino. It's a hard thing to do. So I I honestly feel like they blew it. That was my overriding like takeaway. For, honestly, from the entire run, which uh, makes me a little bit of a See, I, ass to the Bengals. But. I can't say that they blew it. I just think that they ex- they've exceeded expectations by a large margin. And when they went up against a team who had just stars all the way across the, the line on offensive on offensive line, wide receiver, quarterback. Again, we were talking about Matt Stafford. And I think Matt Stafford showed everyone that, yeah, he is at least at the very least top 10 guy. I would say top five, but he's at least a very te- top 10 guy. Um, I thought he played great. I thought the interceptions that he threw weren't necessarily his fault. And. If, they had, if those interceptions didn't happen, then maybe Matt Stafford would have been the MVP. 
I think, I mean, top five is insane to me, first of all. But, but second I, of all, I think Matt Stafford is the definition of the guy who can make all the throws, including the one where he throws it directly to a middle linebacker, and you go, what throw was that? And you Hey, well, he could make all the throws. Look, look, he got lucky in that NFC Championship game where he threw the blatant interception that was dropped, and then all was only to come back and and tie the game up. But it's like this game, for example, I just thought he played very well. I thought obviously they got their return. They traded how many first round picks? You got a Super Bowl. The the gamble paid off. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's like, but with the Bengals though, it's like again, they're not one of these teams that just sold the sold the team so they could just mortgage for the future. I mean, it's like they just kind of built the good old-fashioned way. You suck until you draft a good quarterback. Think about you bought the land in California. You built your billion-dollar stadium, and then you're just like, we are winning. We are hosting and winning the Super Bowl now so that this thing gets paid off. Sam Crock or uh, Stan Crocky looks like a genius. Yeah. I mean, it's like the way they built that team. And again, uh, if I had just gotten a new stadium, I would go all in to win the Super Bowl. And I have seen the Rams. Everything, all all the times that they've traded first round picks, I've always gone, oh, that's not going to be good. How many times have we seen that blow up in teams faces? And somehow, somehow they have hit on three major players. It's an incredible roster build. For the Rams, something that you, you see in the NBA, right? NBA teams will throw away their first round picks for years at a time to go chase after stars. Cause in the NBA, that's generally speaking, the best way to win a championship. Go, go get stars. Your first seconds are useless or first uh, rounders can be useless, but um, it doesn't happen in the NFL too often. Uh, and I think you're right. I w- we'd have to go back and look. I'd be, uh, I'd be willing to bet most of the time when you trade a first round pick for a player, it usually ends up worse for the team that gave up the pick. And I also believe that next next season, I think Stafford's going to be way better than he was this season with the Rams. I mean, it's like he's going to have another year in the system. He's going to be a lot more comfortable with the team. Hopefully, the injuries don't pile up like they did, like they did this year, which led to Odell coming to the team. But and who are they going to? Are they going to sign Odell next year? Especially with the injury, do Bring we even back. know what the injury is? Yes. Feel bad for Odell Beckham. I, you are you are a Cleveland Brown fan. I'm a giant Cleveland Gooch. Brown fan. I don't necessarily like how he forced his way out because it's like it's just one of those things where when you look at the story, you're like, well, it wasn't him. It was his dad. But who do you think put his dad up to it? You know, so it's like he he knew what he was doing. He he knew when what was going to happen when his dad would go out there and start complaining about Baker and they would force Odell out. But he got his way. I don't feel any anger towards him whatsoever. Wow, I mean, he's a wide receiver. A level-headed Browns. Fan. Well, I mean, granted, two years ago, if you would have asked me this, I probably would have hated him with every <laughs> inch of me. But, you know, now, you know, this is after a divorce, Gooch, lots of life <laughs> contemplating, you know what I mean? There's been a, a lot of studying going you on here. put the Browns into context yes. of not as important as some other things yeah, in your life? Yeah, like family, you know what I mean? Like things like that. Oh, you mean you mean if the Browns win the Super Bowl, Baker isn't going to show up and give me a ring? Oh, man. Like, I, they, they finally just family? It just dawned on me that the Cleveland Browns don't give a rat's behind about their fans. By the way, I absolutely loved Aaron Donald's celebration after his game. Well, it wasn't a sack, but game winning pressure on fourth yeah. down him running off the field, just pointing at his ring finger. Yeah. Great celebration. Oh yeah. Phenomenal. <clears throat> and uh, I, I just think that he, I think he should have been MVP. I just think all the defensive oh, there's pressure the hot takes. I yeah, think, I think all the defensive pressure wait, wait, wait. was by okay. him. Uh, Quentin Spain, the Bengals left guard tweeted last night. Didn't do bleep all game on me. I know y'all was watching and waiting for me to mess up. 
That was the Bengals left guard talking about Aaron Donald. Okay. He right. didn't do anything against him because they basically, for like. Well, except for the game winning exactly. fourth down play. Yeah, yeah, no, he, no, got, that's uh, he got pretty destroyed. But, He's turned watching helplessly as Aaron Donald wraps up Joe Burrow. Yeah. <laughs> And I like how he's like, and, and, and then he's going to sit there and get mad. Like, yeah, y'all, y'all were watching, waiting for me to screw up. Yeah, and you did. So this yeah, is what you do. Yeah. You shut up right Flint now. Like Novocaine, eventually it worked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the coach, they, the, 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 the coach on the other side, they just kind of sat there and watched the game. And they knew that I was going to be the weak link, but I wasn't until it mattered. <laughs> I wasn't so, until yeah. I really, really was. Yeah. All right, scale of one to ten, how entertaining was that Super Bowl? I would say of seven, Jared. Um, probably six ish. Yeah. All right, that's what I was thinking. Like it was a close game, so it wasn't a blowout and it wasn't terrible, but it didn't feel like the most fun game. Yeah, yeah, it was a close like game. The T Higgins touchdown to start the second half was fun. Like the first two plays of the second half being Bengals touchdown, Stafford interception, right, was fun. And then other than that, it was okay. Not terrible. Joe Mixon threw a touchdown. That was kind of fun. I thought the uh, obviously the the fade and to, to Cooper Cup in the end zone to win the game to win the Super Bowl. I mean that's a pretty cool play. It's not the greatest fade. Came with I like thought, a minute forty eight left. Come on. Right. I thought I thought Dude, Odell's four catch. Seconds left. I thought Odell's catch was maybe a little bit better or just a little bit cooler to see. I guess, I mean, but the Jamar Chase catch was incredible. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah. The one where he did cho- torch Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> he just yeah. literally just goes, all right, I got that. Yeah. And this time, here's the thing. He legitimately torched Jalen Ramsey. He it's not like he grabbed mask. his face mask and <laughs> threw him to the side. And then, you know, well, and then T Higgins just had the, the audacity to be like, did it. <laughs> got it. You know? Touchdown. It just didn't matter. It well, was fine. I just like how he's like, nope, didn't do that whatsoever. Celebrate in the end zone with me, boys. And cue the gritty. Well, All right. We got to get into it later. The dumbest penalty in the history of football. All penalties are fun. Coming up next, are the Raiders about to extend Derek Carr? I promise you guys, you know, I was mic'd up so you guys can you guys can hear. When it was the fourth down and you could see they got into the shotgun and they were probably not going to run the football, I said Aaron's going to close the game out right here, and he is the effing man. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. That's like the least fun, fun postgame quote I've ever heard, right? Like, he's going to close it up. He is the effing. That's way less fun than Evan McPherson being like, looks like we're going to the AFC championship. <laughs> well, that's before the game. He said that to Joe Burrow before he made the kick, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. That's- but I'm saying, but just Joe Burrow telling the story afterwards was way better than Sean McVay being like, when I saw they were in shotgun, I was like, Aaron Donald's going to close it up because he's the effing man. Like, I'll have some more fun. You're like 30. Yeah, but it can be cooler than that. Well, I mean, isn't Aaron Donald older than Sean McVay? <laughs> I mean, can't you just be so. can't you be happy for your elders? <laughs> Me or Sean McVay? It's Sean McVay, I mean. All right. Unsuper Bowl related. We got fun Sunday morning stories. Wait a minute. Fun and Tyler Bischoff rolled into one. I don't believe this. Oh, they're all fun. <laughs> Tyler is pro fun. It's just his version of fun. Involves others' pain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, The Raiders, according to Ian Rappaport, the Raiders might be giving Derek Carr an extension. He reported yesterday, sources say the Raiders are moving forward with Carr at QB and are prepared to discuss a contract extension that would keep him in Las Vegas for the foreseeable future. Carr has one year left on his current deal. It's going to pay him about a little under $20 million this year. 
Uh, it's not guaranteed, so the Raiders, if they wanted to, could trade or cut him, and there would be no dead cap hit. But according to Ian Rappaport, they're going to extend Derek Carr. Should Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler give Derek Carr an extension? Uh, is it, well, Jared's saying no already. I believe yes. I think so. I've been. I've always been in Derek Carr's corner, and I think with Josh McDaniel, with you know Mac Jones and Tom Brady, those were short passing offenses. And we always used to blast Derek Carr for being capped at checkdown. If he could just get Hunter Renfro to be that Wes Welker type wide receiver, you know, the Julian Edelman type wide receiver, tiny white guy. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, just tiny white dude that can get open. You don't have to, you don't have to burn him down the field for 20, 30 yards. You know what I mean? Just get open. We're not asking you to be Cooper cup. We're just saying, get open. We're not asking you to be Cooper cup or Jordy Nelson. Right. <laughs> The guys, the, the only white guys that can well, beat you deep. All of the yeah. white guys. Uh, yeah. You know, like, we're not asking you to be Chris Collinsworth burning <laughs> yes. people. Yes, yes. We just need you to get Are open. There, does anyone have any more white white receivers? Yeah, exactly. Austin uh, Collie. No, yeah. Skronik, How the guy good? that played for the Rams last night. The guy that dropped the Stafford pass yes. and turned into a pick. I How, cannot, I do not say his last name. How good are you at getting open three yards down the field? That's basically what I would like. Hunter Renfro to do, and yes, I think he's good at that. He's but better than that. Though. I'm glad. He can do more than that. I know he could do good. more than that. He's good. I know he could do more than that. But in that offense, that's all you need. So you just need that guy. Here's my from a McDaniel's and Ziggler standpoint. My sort of question is this: If you give Carr an extension, right, you're basically hooking your tenure up to Derek Carr. Is what you're doing. You're basically saying if Carr works out. I'm going to look like a good coach or a good GM, right? And this is going to be great. Or if Carr doesn't ever get us anywhere, if Carr isn't any better than he has been in the past, I'm probably going to look a bad coach and a bad GM. Like that's, that's where I kind of find it interesting between McDaniels and Ziggler is that if they give him an extension, they're basically committing to Derek Carr without ever really have coached him, right? Like obviously they've seen him. Obviously they've, you know, they know what Derek Carr is. They're like, he's a mystery, but you're hooking it up to a quarterback that you've never coached, never uh, been the GM for and saying, Hey, you're going to be the number that he's going to be the number one reason why we think McDaniels or Ziggler do a good job. But you're also watching. It's not like you're going to a new team and you have like a second year. Right. You're right. We know what he is. And yeah, we know what Derek Carr is. So you could work around that. You could see how Derek Carr plays and then look at the defense and go, okay, what exactly do we need on defense that, just Derek Carr, he's going to be a guy that just marches down the field. He's not going to be Pat Mahomes bombing it 40 yards down the field, making incredible play after incredible play. You just need Derek Carr to do his job, and he is capable of being that guy. He could just do his job. He literally just brought up my argument of he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to be Justin Herbert. Oh, wait, he has to play a good, like he has to play in the same division as those guys. You're right. So but, let but, me ask you so, that. So, if, you're, if you're roster building, and you're the Raiders. How much do you look at the division of Patrick Mahomes, of Justin Herbert, and say, all right, we've got to beat those guys for the next decade, like whatever, however long those guys are going to be there. Like, how much do you, how much would you take that into account versus, hey, we're just going to build the best possible roster we can? I, I just think that when you look at a team and you go, I can be, I got to build the best possible roster. You don't look at another team and go, okay, how do I stop that team? Because you only play them two times a year at most. That's if they're in your division. So it's like, 
why would you just focus on these teams? Now, I understand you have to be better than those teams to advance into the playoffs. Yes, I understand that divisional games are extremely important, <laughs> but why would you just focus on that? Build the best team that you and, could be, and then all of a sudden you can work your own magic. You can use your own players and stuff to to scheme. That's what being an NFL coach is all about. You don't look at another team and go, that's how they did it. Well, it's going to work the same way for me. And that is, I mean, I do think that's where the Raiders are going, is they're basically saying we're going to build the best team we can, regardless of who's in the division. The reason I ask is because the Raiders have an opportunity right now to hit reset on pretty much everything. I mean, there's a new coach. There's a new GM. They could go a different route at quarterback. They could try something else if they wanted to. But I do think that would be, well, obviously, if you get like Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. But outside of that, if you go a different route than Derek Carr, you're probably taking a step back this coming up season, right? And you're saying, hey, we're not trying to win in 2022. We're going to try to win in 2023, 2024. So, but it's, again, it's how much do you look at the division? You don't care about it at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I, okay. I, th- I mean, I'm not saying that I don't care about it at all, but I mean, why would you just focus the entire, now there's an extra game added on the season, so you're just going to go focus your whole team on what's in that division. It just, I don't like it. Just build the best team that you can have. Have an identity for your team. That's what it is. Just have an identity. And the things with Derek Carr is you can build up a good defense, and Derek Carr can win you a lot of games. I believe uh, Josh McDaniels offense. Look, it's like, again, you got the tiny little white dude that could get open three yards down the field, but then you got a monster <laughs> tight end. That is a total mismatch against any defense. And it's like, and you, you mean to tell me that Josh McDaniel doesn't know how to scheme up plays to get a tight end open between Carr, Waller and Renfro. There's a decent base to start with. I, th- the big problem for next season offensive line is that they've got to fix the offensive line and they've got to get a, like a, a, Number one wide receiver, or at least an outside wide receiver that's good. Like he can be, you know, technically worse than Waller and Renfro. He doesn't have to be the number one guy, but they need an outside wide receiver that's good. They've got those two holes, offensive line, which is actually like three holes, that wide receiver spot that they have to fill. And they're going to have to fill some spots on defense because they're going to lose a lot of guys most likely uh, this offseason. So the thing for next year is I, I feel like the Raiders, they probably have too many holes to fill to expect them to be contenders next year. But if they hit two or three home runs in the offseason this year and then hit two or three more next offseason, then they could be legitimate contenders. I think that's what it's going to take for them. And we're, and then we're talking 2023. Hey, they did really well in the draft back-to-back years or really well in free agency back-to-back years. Carr, Renfro, Waller, insert random wide receiver. They fixed the offensive line and they've got four stars on defense instead of just Max Crosby. If they can do that, they can contend in 2023. If not, I think their ceiling's kind of the what we saw this year. Nine, ten wins, make the playoffs maybe, but not really a true contender. I mean, the defense definitely overachieved last year. We didn't think the defense was going to do what they did, especially when Jerry McCoy went down. I thought that was a huge loss. And then Mac Crosby just went and went super sane and started destroying everybody. Uh, I think with that offense, if you build up the Raiders offensive line, they can definitely compete next year. And I thought they did this year. You were bringing up Justin Herbert. They went one and one against the Chargers. Yep. One and one against Chargers, and they beat the Chargers when they needed to beat the Chargers. Probably should have been one zero oh, and one or oh one and one against the Chargers. Very well, could have been. They but went for the field goal. I love it. Go for the death kill, Tyler. What's a Super Saiyan? Oh, it's uh, Dragon Ball Z. Oh, oh yes, I, I would have lost that money. I don't know. I don't know what it actually is, but I know what it's from. Okay, good. Right, yeah, well, you, you've, you've heard enough sports stars say that, yes. uh, right? When yes. they go, uh, yeah. Goku. 
Yeah. Okay. Wow. wow. All right. There you All go, right. buddy. Coming up next. Oh, wow. I'm congratulating you on even more nerd crap. Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. Shotgun snap. Looking, looking, looking. Flush from the pocket on the numbers to the near side. Winding up long pass into the end zone. Stafford intercepted. A leaping, falling down on his back in the back corner of the end zone. Interception by Jesse Bates. To me, it's the foundation that guys like Coop and Witt. I stepped into this locker room with a bunch of unknowns, and, and they, uh, you know, they wrapped their arms around me. And, and you know, we had to do it a few more times in the season with Vaughn and oh, yeah. you know, some other guys along the way. So it just—it's an unbelievable culture they got going on here that's been, uh, you know, brewing for years. I'm just so happy to, uh, you know, kind of put the bow on it. It's the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Brad Spielberger. Good morning, Brad. Good morning. How's it going? Good. All right. What can we learn from the Rams roster building? Are they an outlier that other teams probably can't mimic? Or is there something that, hey, the Rams have done with not valuing first round picks that other teams should be trying to copy? I think the biggest thing here that's getting lost a bit, and I'll be honest, I've been asked this a couple times now, and I studied the salary cap and contracts, so I'm probably going to have to go ahead and, and write an article about this. But I think it's the story is really the entire holistic approach because, yes, trading the first-round picks, these late firsts for proven players like a Jalen Ramsey is obviously a strategy that teams may look into. Uh, but I think the bigger storyline is, look, the Rams have had at least eight draft picks in every class since that Jared Goff class when they haven't made a first-round pick since. So it, it takes both. They've also been stockpiling on second, third, and fourth-round picks, includes Cooper Cup and a lot of very important contributors to that roster. So the story is that you can do it. It may be something teams try to emulate, but you've got to balance it out. You can't just make those trades and not also have a strong, you know, a lot of depth that you've drafted, a lot of lower salary guys that you've brought in that can kind of balance out the roster. It also helps to have maybe the best defensive player of all time in Aaron Donald. <laughs> are, are there any other teams you look at right now and say, you know, they could benefit if they found a way to trade away uh, first-round picks for some proven stars? Yeah, you know, I think when you have a roster that's really close, um, you know, I think a good example could be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where they obviously signed Tom Brady in free agency, but say they view their roster this time and they do have some free agents coming up, but nevertheless, they still have a very good core and they say, okay, look, we're picking, you know, 28th or whatever their first round pick is. Let's trade a couple of those first to go get a Russell Wilson to go get, you know, insert quarterback here. I think that's kind of a similar approach. It would make a lot of sense because they have a win now roster, so to speak, um, a lot of really good players there. And, and do they want to pass the keys off to a rookie quarterback? I, I don't think so. Is there anything from the Bengals that you learn for roster building? Like one of the things that I look at is their offensive line wasn't good and yet they still made it to the Super Bowl, which maybe that's a fluke, but is there anything the Bengals did that you take away and say, that's, that's a good way to go about building a team. We might've lost Brad either that, or there's nothing the Bengals did well. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I'll let you think about that answer that you just asked that the, to the question you just asked. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll try to get Brad back on the phone. I don't know what happened there. Don't know what happened at all. That is the fascinating part about the Bengals is Joe Burrow got sacked more in the regular season than anybody else. Joe Burrow got sacked nine times in a playoff game and they won. Joe Burrow got sacked seven times in the Super Bowl and they didn't win, but they lost by three. It, like they didn't lose. They didn't get sacked seven times. He had lose, the ball in his hand to win. Right. Didn't yeah. lose 41 to seven. Like they did not have a good offensive line and yet they were still there. And I think 
the big takeaway is having the quarterback that can play around it, right? Like Derek Carr is not proven to be a quarterback that can play around it. Derek Carr crumbles in those scenarios. Not a whole filler. Right. But Burrow play around it. And I think that's an interesting, like when we look at quarterbacks and how we judge them, I think that's an interesting part of the equation of how do you handle bad offensive line play? All right. Do we have Brad back? (laughs) We do. I don't know what happened there, but I'll ask the question to you again. Um, Did you learn anything from the Bengals and the way their rosters built? Like the biggest or one of the biggest outliers was their offensive line not being very good, but yet they still made it to the Super Bowl and lost a close game in the Super Bowl. Was there anything that the Bengals did that you liked a lot from how they built their roster? Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely justified this argument. Back during the draft, there was this whole argument of, should they take Jamar Chase? Should they take Oregon tackle Penny Sewell, who went to the Detroit Lions a couple picks later? And, and the old guard and all football people, so to speak, would say, you know, you'd be crazy not to take a premier tackle that can shore up your offensive line, protect your quarterback. That's the way to do it. And I think that has probably been correct for the, for a very long time. But in today's NFL, in this past happy NFL, a dynamic game-changing player like a Jamar Chase, you know, we saw the catch last night, the one-handed catch down the sideline with Jalen Ramsey draped all over him. I mean, that the value that that brings to a roster is, is underappreciated and underrated. And I think we're going to see more of that. You know, Kyle Pitts going fourth overall, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, you know, the trade up to sixth overall by Miami. I think people realize pass catchers for your quarterback matter just as much as protecting your quarterback. So do we start treating the value of rookie wide receivers in a similar manner that we treat rookie quarterbacks? Like given what we've seen from Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, and you throw Kyle Pitts in there as well, like given that Devontae Adams is going to get whatever, $30 million or something like that. Like, should we start talking about rookie wide receiver contracts the same way we do quarterbacks? Yeah. You know, I think it's the same case with edge rushers as well. Those other premier positions that are of course not quite quarterback, but still have a ton of potential surplus value. I make this analogy a lot. I guess not analogy, but the, the, the New York giants, when they drafted Saquon Barkley, he was the fifth highest paid running back in the NFL the day they made the move. The following year that Nick Bosa gets drafted by the 49ers, Second overall, again, he was the 37th highest paid edge rusher. So the amount of surplus value you're getting out of, if you do land a premier edge rusher, a premier wide receiver, you know, a premier tackle on a rookie contract, yeah, you're saving yourself, you know, $15, $20 million per year if that guy pans out. But it feels like wide receivers now, you're not going to, you could when before you could only find like a gem in the first round. Now you could find them in the second and the third round, just depending on the quarterback. Can the quarterback turn them into a special player like Cooper Cup, like Devontae Adams? A hundred percent. I do think we're seeing the last several years now in the top, you know, a hundred picks. You can find true impact players at wide receiver, and so I think that's why we will see, you know, some teams that be shy away from the first round picks. I think more so we'll see teams continue to not really participate in free agency on wide receiver. I mean, last year. Kenny Galladay really got the only substantial contract in free agency. He was awful in New York. Yeah, he was hurt, but, I mean, really did nothing when he was healthy either. And I think that will be the trend is that teams will say, we want to continue to build our weaponry through the draft, finding younger players, and maybe not really get into the, you know, the, the free agency game with that position. Do you think wide receivers will be treated like running backs are, where you don't draft a running – where you know, the rule is you don't draft a running back in the first round because they're so plentiful. It just seems like – Wide receivers, they're learning how to cut better. They're learning how to get open. Uh, one-handed catches are starting to become the norm. It's not like these these talents are standing out quite like they used to. You know, I, I'm not sure about that. I mean, maybe in the later in the fir- parts of the first round, I suppose. But 
like we talked about, I mean, a guy like Jamar, you're not finding a Jamar Chase in the second or third round. I mean, that's never going to happen. And, and yes, you, you, you can probably name some really good players, but guys that can come in as a rookie, a young rookie, coming off a season which he opted out of college football and was you know one of the five best wide receivers in the NFL from day one, um, you're not finding that outside of the top ten or you know whatever. So I think there will be some more question marks, maybe for in the later first round, um, maybe saying, hey, look, we could, we could probably get better value elsewhere and maybe use our second-round pick or third-round pick on a receiver. But these premier, premier guys like a Jamar Chase, I, I think you just don't find very far down the draft board. Brad Spiel with us from Pro Football Focus. What should the Raiders' extension with Derek Carr look like? You know, I think the going rate at this point is, is going to look like a deal for about five years and $200 million, so about $40 million per year. I know that may sound crazy, but – you know, we're about to see, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to top Patrick Mahomes. I think now Matthew Stafford is going to sign a deal for around $40 million per year as well. Maybe he'll take a small, you know, pay cut to keep the Rams around, but, but he has no reason to do that. Um, you know, yeah, so I, I think that $40 million per year number are right around, and maybe just below that um, is probably a realistic number for Derek Carr. I mean, not even 30 years old yet, has been a very good quarterback the last couple of years with a not strong offensive line, and I think a lot of folks, held a good offensive line early in his career against him. He hasn't had that and has still been very productive. So he, he deserves every penny of that. So if you're the Raiders and you have a new coach, new GM, how confident do you think they should feel about giving Carr $40 million a year? You know, it's tough. I, I mean, it, it's going to be a situation where he is one of those quarterbacks where, and, and I generally push back on the theory that you cannot win with a high price quarterback. I, I don't think it's based in reality, but when you do get to the guys like a Derek Carr, well, look, I, I have a lot of respect for him, but I don't think he's a top-five quarterback, nor do I think he ever will be a top-five quarterback. He's kind of right in that 8-12 to 12 range, which is still very valuable, can obviously win you football games, occasionally kind of put you on his back and truly win you football games. But it does complicate matters. But I think, look, Josh McDaniel's offense is perfectly suited for him. They're going to tackle the middle of the field, quick outs, quick passing game. And I think it's exactly what Derek Carr excels at. So, that should give them confidence that they're kind of cohesive in their vision and all the pieces they have fit what they're trying to do. All right. If you can do this and I'll give you, let's say 60 seconds, I'd be impressed. What do the Packers do to get under the cap and bring Aaron Rodgers back? Oh, I got you. All right. So you are going to place the franchise tag on Devontae Adams, which is additional 20 million, but you're going to extend Aaron Rodgers and save you about 15 million. You're going to cut both the Darius and Preston Smith, which saves you about 30, 35 million, I believe. Um, you're probably going to cut guys like Dean Lowry, maybe cut an Adrian Amos at safety, maybe extend Adrian Amos. Um, and, and pretty much right there, you're pretty close. It's not as complicated as folks think. Obviously, that, you know, that just gets them to zero, and then they have to make some moves and build out this roster. But it's not, it's not incredibly drastic. It, it's not the Saints last year that were $100 million over the cap. Um, it just, <laughs> it's just going to be tough to kind of add any external free agents. They do all that. Are they still Super Bowl contenders? Roster still good enough? You know, I think so. I think whenever you, have, you, whenever you have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and then I think his defense took a lot of strides, and we were missing players all offseason. Another, another move is you, know, you got to extend Dair Alexander as a cornerback. But, yeah, I think there's no reason why they wouldn't be. The NFC is still just a weaker conference than the AFC, and I think they can exploit that if they want to. Well, he is Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. Brad, we appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. So there is Brad Spielberger. Salary cap. Uh, expert analyst riveting numbers the Packers are 40 something million over but cut a few guys make a couple extensions push some money to the back and be good to go yeah get rid of your best pass rusher 
It's just like that's what I'm saying. It's like look how much you have to sacrifice. That's why getting signing Derek Carr to an extension. It's like you can still build a team. You don't have to put so much on the quarterback like the Packers do. Coming up next, more terrible takes from Gooch. Dead on. What? Shotgun snap, looking, 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 flush from the pocket on the numbers to the near side. Winding up, long pass into the end zone. Stafford intercepted. A leaping, falling down on his back in the back corner of the end zone. Interception by Jesse Bates. We're back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. All right, coming up later in the show, we're going to have tickets to give away to go see Volbeat, the servant of the road tour. They're coming to the theater at Virgin Hotel, Las Vegas. Thankfully, Gooch is in here uh, from Comp, and he knows who Volbeat is. They rock. Okay. They put palmade in their hair. They got pompadours. They're ready to kill. I do not know half of the words you and just said. You're sure they don't look like a bug-type Pokemon? A bug-type Pokemon? Is that what a Volbeat is? There is a Pokemon that is called Volbeat. Okay, I don't think that's what they're named after, but perhaps they are. Perhaps. Yeah. I, I should feel, do that I feel research. like the rock guy should know that. The rock guy should know should. if they're named after a Pokemon or not. But uh, no. Also, Wednesday, I'm going to be out at PT's Pub for UNLV and Fresno State. Watch party for the Running Rebels, PT's Pub on Tropicana and Maryland. Come out and watch some UNLV basketball with me. It'll be fun. We got uh, beer for a year from Miller Lite to give away. Hopefully some tickets to maybe Mountain West Tournament or other UNLV basketball games. And yeah, it'll be fun. Wednesday night, PT's Pub, Trop in Maryland. You'll be there, right? I'm in there. Anytime I can get something for a year, beer for a year, I'm in. All right, give me your hot take on the halftime show. Uh, dumb. You're the only person I've seen say anything negative about it. I think every halftime show is stupid. I hate the halftime show. I have hated the halftime show for years. The last time you it was good, so the last time it was good, I think it was Prince. That was the last halftime show that I watched and I enjoyed. Every I mean, other one has been Dumb. I think I have enjoyed every single halftime show I've seen. Even the weekend wandering through a gl- uh, uh, mirror maze last year was entertaining to me. No, I thought it was dumb. Here's, here's what was incredible about yesterday. All, how many people performed? Six people. All six people that performed more famous than anybody that played in the game yesterday. True. True. And I don't even think it's remotely close. Like, who's the most famous well, my thing football is, player that played in the Super Bowl yesterday? The only problem I had with yesterday's halftime show is, look, you got a bunch of people in their 50s rapping about being hard in the streets. You know what I mean? I'm like, really, dude? Like, it, it just God, doesn't. So it God. doesn't. It doesn't translate. No, if they were there, if they were the age that they wrote, <sighs> they were the age where when they wrote those songs, and yes, it makes sense. But like when you're 50 and you're talking about that, I'm like, dude, you're not gonna do that stuff. Okay, but the same. You're gonna hire someone to do that stuff. I mean, you're so bad. The same thing can be said though about like the Rolling Stones still playing, can't get no satisfaction. Like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You're rich right now. You okay, can, satis- like, can't get no satisfaction. And then Dr. Dre and Snoop basically, you know, talking about another but a G thing or something like that. It's like, dude, no, you're 50. You're 50. It was nostalgic. What, you know, it should have just been California. Songs. It should have been California love the entire time. Oh, my God. Oof. And then just and let that, it roll. What, a hologram Tupac? Yes, like of course. Yes, who cares? It's crap. Who cares? It's The, the halftime show is always garbage. Here's, here's what's great about the United States sporting events. No other massive sporting event is doing that at halftime. Like the Champions League final, if I'm, I might be skipped, I might have skipped the most recent one, but like the most recent performance I can remember was like Marshmallow doing a DJ set before the game. 
Right. Champions League final is the most watched professional sporting event in the world every year. And they have Marshmallow doing a DJ set. We had six people more famous than anybody that played in the actual Super Bowl at halftime. That's incredible. You're right. We were like, we're going to cram you guys. You guys get 13 minutes. Make some magic for us. And oh, it's great. And I love it. Anything it's goes wrong, part. it will go viral. Yes. Shout out to, what was it, Left Shark? Yes. Katie oh, Perry's yes. Great. The Katy Perry Shark. I'm telling you, that was fantastic. I love halftime shows. They, it is. Listen, it is, from a sporting context, the dumbest thing we do. We are like, we are going to have what would be the most massive concert in the country. We're going to make them play for 12 minutes on a football field. Right? Dumb idea. Horrible, terrible concept, but it's great. See, this is why I In the round. So they literally there's there is a group of people who paid admission and are like, I'm excited for the halftime show. And they all they saw was Dr. Dre's butt. They saw the backs of those weird house things. Yeah. That's all they got to 50 Cent performed inside one of the houses. They didn't get to see 50 Cent the entire time. Yeah, I I just love that. Yeah, get in the box, 50. (laughs) Shut your mouth. He's not from L.A. Why was 50 Cent there? 50 Cent, uh, Eminem wasn't from L.A. I don't think Mary J. Blige is from L.A. You don't have to be from L.A. But, I mean, the whole point is California love it. I thought that was the whole idea of the song. The whole point is to be ridiculous and fun. And it was ridiculous and fun. I'm sorry. It was really good. Well, I'm sorry. That was that was probably that's a top five. See, no, 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 no. For starters, like anytime I watch, I I do love hip hop, but whenever I watch it live, I'm so disappointed all the time because most of the time they don't even rap their songs. They just point to the audience or they wave a towel around. At least they sang their songs in the in this. I thought Kendrick Lamar's part was pretty good, but everyone else, you looked old. All of you looked old. How did we find somebody that made the show wider than we were before, Jared? I, we I opened this segment joking about Pokemon and a Danish rock band. I dip my French fries and mayonnaise. And Gooch got wider than that. Good hustle. I, I just, I'm, I'm genuinely shocked. Look, I have a high motor. <laughs> We're going to talk to Ed Graney. I can get open three years down the field. Watch. Can you? No. We're, <laughs> We're going to talk to Ed Graney, what, at 930? And genuinely. Yeah, exactly. He went. Oh, I'm so excited for this, yes, this yes. halftime show. It's going to be incredible. Well, I don't know if you guys saw, Ed. They, sh- they they zoomed in on him at the halftime, and he had two 40s in his hand. He was ready to roll. <laughs> Do you know how great that would be uh-huh. if they showed Ed Grady in the press box and he's got two and he had a And he was wearing he's a hat. double fisting. And he was wearing a hat that had a leaf on it, a mysterious leaf. Okay, I mean, I mean that's he a is, lie. He, he did grow up on, uh, what, the hard streets of Laguna Beach? He oh, did. The mean streets of Laguna Beach. Streets. Halftime shows of the Super Bowl are phenomenal. Oh, God. They see, are hands down you see, But you just admitted, though, that you think they're phenomenal because they're so stupid. Yes, it's stupid. Okay, because... I'm admitting that it's dumb because it's stupid. And you're going, no, it's great because it's, it's stupid. Entertaining. It's entertaining. It's still entertaining. You like it's... jingling your keys in front of your face. It's Yes, I very much do. <laughs> I don't have any hot music takes. But just entertain me for like 15 minutes or however long they get. But it is so, it is incredibly dumb that the halftime shows we that we have at the Super Bowl are would be concerts that people would pay hundreds, maybe thousands of yes. dollars to go to, right? And we're like, we're giving you 13 minutes in a football stadium. Make it work. That is genuinely stupid. And we do it every year and it's phenomenal entertainment. And I'm so glad we can do that. Well, that's why we're the best sporting country in the world. See, I think it's dumb. And then because I think it's dumb, that's when I say I don't like it. So you like it because it's dumb. 
and I don't like it because it's dumb. You My see? way of living is way <laughs> better than yours. It's way dumb more positive. Are great. It's way more positive. 